RadioInfluence.com. He got him in the white trunks. He heard him. Beautiful. Oh, God. That's beautiful. He's got it. And he forced the top. Wow. And it's all over. It's all over. First round knockout. He's got Rich Franklin. Retains his belt. The one thing that I never thought in a million years would happen happened. The champion. The challenger. Here we go. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. It is time for another interview edition of the MMA Report podcast. It is Monday, February the 27th, 2023, and I've got a four-pack of fire interviews for you here on this episode of the podcast. You're going to hear from two men who have got fights come up here on March the 18th at CSMA 72. And you're going to hear from two men that are coming off victories at Fury FC 75. The first interview you're going to hear is with the CES lightweight champion, Nate Garib, who's going to be uh, part of the CS 72 on March the 18th as he takes on Damian Nelson. Talk to him about uh, that unique way of how he won the lightweight title there and a couple other things. Also, you're going to hear from one of the men that's going to be the main event of that fight card, Fran Collins. He's going to be taking on Tim Karen for the vacant middleweight title. So I spoke to both those men about their fights here on March the 18th. And then you're going to hear my conversations with Darren Whitney and Jesse Butler. Darren Whitney gained a unanimous decision win there at Fury FC 75 against Chris Pacherio. Also, you're going to hear Jesse talk about his win against Luis Luna. That was also a decision win. That was his first fight in well over a year. So those interviews come up here very shortly here on this edition of the podcast. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day. Download and listen to this episode of the podcast, whether you're listening to on your favorite podcasting platform maybe you're checking out the interviews over on youtube but uh, you know before we get into the interviews i do want to kind of uh, talk about a little bit of a storyline from saturday's mixed martial arts action it has to go with what was said during the bellator 291 broadcast during the main event which was a dominating performance by yaroslav amosov and during that commentary of that fight john mccarthy called yaroslav amosov the best welterweight fighter in the world now i know some people may kind of get uh, up in arms about that one but i take it for what it is it's a commentator who's being paid by a promotion he's putting over the talent that promotion well now would i call yaroslav amosov the best welterweight in the world i would not but you know it's kind of a an interesting debate on where do you rank yaroslav amosov in the welterweight rankings and you know i was looking over at fight matrix and tap and tapology fight matrix has yaroslav amosov as the number nine welterweight in the world Ranked above him, Shavkok, Rachmanov, Stephen Thompson, Jeff Neal, Gore Burns, Bilal Muhammad, Colby Covington, Kamal Usman, and Leon Edwards. Now, over at Tapology, they have Yaroslav Amosov at number 22, which, quite frankly, I think is a little disrespectful to Yaroslav Amosov. Ranked ahead of him, Jake Matthews, Daniel Rodriguez, Chaos Williams, Rafael Dos Anjos, Muslim Salikov, Randy Brown, Jack Della Maddalena, Michelle Pajaya, Michael Chiesa, Neil Magny, Vicente Luque, Sean Brady, Jorge Masvidal, Shakat Rachmanov, Jeff Neal, Stephen Thompson, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, Bilal Muhammad, Kamar Usman, and Leon Edwards. And, you know, look, I, I understand that if people collect a check from Bellator, they're going to make the claim that 
Yaroslav Amosov is number one welterweight in the world. I get what it is. If I worked for Bellator and I was collecting chicks for Bellator, yeah, I'd probably be, you know, shooting off that narrative as well. But, and, you know, I put it on my Twitter account. I said, you know, where was your rank him? And, you know, like Jornel Lugo, Bellator welterweight, or excuse me, a Bellator bantamweight. He said he would rank him in the top three at 170 pounds. Also, uh, Gregor Bello chimed in saying top three as well. Top, maybe it was your top three or top five. But, you know, the one thing that is going to be a problem to me for Yaroslav Amosov in terms of, you know, becoming known widely as one of the best welterweights in the world, I think it's going to be about what that resume looks like. Yes, he is 27 and 0. But outside of a win against Douglas Lima, what would you say is the number two win on his resume? And it may be Logan Storley. I mean, that may be the second best win on his record. And so that to me is always good. It's what's going to hurt Yaroslav Amosov in terms of where people rank him. You know, to me, he's kind of like, like when you look at some of the top welterweights and you can see the talent ability that that fighter has, but they just haven't had the opportunity to take on the top that of that division. You know, I would look at someone like a Rachmanov as one of those guys, as I think we can all see the talent. But the question is, is he a top? While a lot of people do feel he is a top five guy. You know, the question is once he start fighting those guys, I think Hamza Shamayev is another example of this, of you can see how talented a fighter he is, but outside of Gilbert Burns, it's, it's about taking on that elite competition. So I think it's always going to be tough for Yaroslav Amosov and any fighter in Bellator to get the recognition that they deserve. I mean, look, I think Johnny Eblen is another example of this. You know, I was doing my Bellator rankings and, you know, when you look at welterweight and Yaroslav Amosov, and I didn't have any change in my, my Bellator rankings at all. And I will tell you one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to start archiving my rankings and, and fighters that are uh, eligible to be voted on because there are times where I see, you know, someone gets ineligible. I just, I'm like, every time I see someone eliminated, I'm like, who was that? Like, in this ranking cycle, it was Vitaly Minikov, and a Bellator official did tell me that he was removed from the rankings due to inactivity. He hasn't fought since 2011. But, like, for Yaroslav Amosov to get more notoriety as one of the best welterweights in the world, I feel like right now when you look at the Bellator welterweight division, it may be a little tough for him. You know, you can look at and say, if Michael Page gets past Gochi Yamuchi, I think that's a fight from a, a a notoriety aspect that would make a lot of sense for Yaroslav Amosov. You know, if if I'm Amosov right now, I might be looking at Lorenz Larkin as potentially someone who, of course, we've seen in the UFC, but to me, that's always going to be a problem there and just kind of give you my, what my rankings are at 170 pounds in, in Bellator. Number one, Logan Storley. Number two, Michael Page. Three, Jason Jackson. Four, Andre Koreshkov. Five, Douglas Lima. Six, Gochi Yamauchi. Seven, Neiman Gracie. Eight, Lorenz Larkin. Nine, Brent Ward. Ten, Sabah Hamasi. Um, you know, looking at some other divisions, uh, you know, not really a lot of changes for me in this ranking uh, system just because, uh, you know, there just wasn't a lot of ranked fighters that were fighting on this. So we'll say that uh, we do now have seven fighters eligible to be ranked at women's featherweight with Janae Harding now being eligible to get the vote. Of course, uh, she did get the loss, so she went to to number seven for me. Uh, heavyweight, uh, two fighters that did fall out uh, were Vitaly Menikoff. And my ranking of Vitaly Menikoff was a lot higher than a lot of other people. Uh, and then Fedor Melineka was pulled from the ranking style then. So um, I added Davon Franklin and Oleg Popivov, uh, of course, coming off that, that recent win 
that he had there. I had no changes at, at light heavyweight and uh, middleweight. I, I did not have any changes there at all. Of course, uh, you know, middleweight with Johnny Edwin's be interesting, you know, to kind of see how that division unfolds. But like, yeah, I feel like Johnny Edwin and Yaroslav Amosov are, are very much in a similar situation where, you know, you see the talent abilities that they have, but I think the resume is always going to be a tough thing for people to decide whether, uh, you know, they're a top three, top five, or top 10 at their division. And I mean, look, the UFC runs this world. I mean, that's just, that's reality of the situation. But I thought it was kind of an interesting dialogue on MMA Twitter on Saturday, kind of talking about where does Yaroslav Amosov fit in the welterweight rankings. But let's get right into the interviews, as you're going to hear the four interviews I have here on this episode. Up first, you're going to hear the conversation I have with Nate Garib, then it'll be Frank Collins, then Darren Whitney, and then the final interview you're going to hear is with Jesse Butler. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man we're going to see back inside the CES cage here, CES MMA 72, March the 18th. Nate, uh, appreciate the time. Uh, you know, I'm going back and I'm watching your last fight, and uh, I guess weigh-in day was an interesting day for you back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a little wild. Um, unexpected, for sure. So, like, for those who don't know the story, you end up you fighting for the lightweight tile because the, the lightweight tile that was supposed to take place on the card doesn't happen because of, of weigh-in issues. You and Antonio agree to take this fight, and all of a sudden, it's not just a three-round fight. Now it's a five-round fight. Like right. I, I know like the, the competitor is like, man, screw it, man. Let's just go. You know, we want to do five. We got to do five rounds, do five rounds. I was like, but it, it, is that was that as much a conversation with your team about deciding kind of how to play, the, play it out? So, I mean, yeah, basically what happened was, um, so Eddie, uh, George is, uh, is a good friend of mine and, uh, obviously Ali Zebian was originally supposed to fight him. He went through a, a variety of, uh, fallouts and people telling him they'd fight him and then pulling out. And then this guy shows up and misses by eight pounds and he's like, you know, out of his mind. And, uh, basically I, um, you know, we were in the way we, we were weighing in for a catch weight cause I had just fought like a month and a half before for the 45 pound belt and so i made weight at 150 antonio made weight at 150 and so when eddie decided that you know like it didn't make sense for him to fight this guy at all this guy shows up super overweight and is not even trying to cut the weight so it's like you know we're not going to do this fight i completely understand that and that it basically ended up just be me talking to them and saying like hey like we made weight at 150 like nobody else could nobody else wanted to step up to fight eddie like, I am not going to fight Eddie. Eddie and I aren't going to fight. We're like, we're really good friends. We're trading yeah. partners. for you. So, um, you know, I talked with him before I called him and I asked him and if, if, he, if he didn't mind if we stepped in there and I spoke with my coach and he spoke with his manager and we were like, hey, let's do it. Like, why not? You know, for me, I'm like, I was in I was in great shape. You know, all I did was basically spar that entire camp. I didn't really do anything else outside of that. So I was like, I'm ready to go five rounds if I have to. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm down. Like, for him, obviously, it was a, a big opportunity because, like, I don't know if he ever would ever get that opportunity anywhere else. Kind of like a, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I understand a lot of people were kind of bothered by it, that he got a chance to fight for it in the first place. But it's like, hey, who else was going to step up? Yeah. You know, like, no one else was stepping up to fight me before. No one was stepping up at 155 to fight Eddie. So, hey, I'm, I'm right here. You know, you know, I'm game. You know, I'm going to show up and put on a fight no matter who it is. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I take it for what it is, you know, it was a great opportunity and uh, I took advantage of it. So, and of course I was over there on your Instagram, you, you, you definitely took advantage of taking some, some photos <laughs> there with that, that title. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had to, man, you know, 
from, from my perspective, um, I don't think I lost the 45 pound belt. You know, I know some people think I lost. I know a lot of people don't think I lost. Um, you know, I could definitely have given, you know, uh, Dubuque a round or two, but there's no way he beat me. You know, you don't put a, uh, that much damage on somebody and, um, you know, drop him that many times, take him down that many times, you know, I calf kicked him like 37 times, you know, in my perspective, I won that fight. And he poked me in the eye, literally gouged my eye. I had like a, like a thing, like a huge canal in my eye from the eye poke. And I still came back and still did what I was able to do, you know, fourth and fifth round. So in my perspective, like I won that belt and I should be the 145 pound champion already. So, you know, whatever anybody says, I don't give a fuck, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the 145 pound champion in my mind. So, you know, having the 55 pound belt seems, uh, seemed reasonable to me, you know, still a champion in my mind. So I don't give a fuck. I, you know, Joe was talking about that a little bit on the broadcast of like, man, you know, you, you just try to get three people to agree to a score and, and did they all see the score the same. And obviously judging has been such a, a huge topic of conversation, not just recently, but I mean, we can, it's, it's always going to be a topic. I mean, let's just, we, we can't kill ourselves, you know, it's always going to be yeah. a topic. And, and, I, and I brought this question up to the other fighters and, you know, and, and I know that, you know, the, the regulatories that they, they want to have this better relationship with fighters. And, and so fighters have an understanding of kind of what's being taught, whatnot. But like, like if you got a chance to sit down with the judge, like, uh, I mean, let's just say the three judges who are scoring that fight, like, what would you ask them? Well, I have to ask, um, you know, if we're talking here about damage or control and, and, and what, where they think they, that they scored for him damage. I mean, I know he threw a lot of hands, but, you know, I think people don't give me credit for, for the defense that I have. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't hit me because he certainly did, yeah. but I was never hurt in that fight. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, he definitely hit me with hands, but it was like a lot less than people think he hit me with. And it's like, you know, the shots that I was hitting him with, I was hitting him with knees, elbows, kicks, punches, t you know, takedowns. Like he didn't take me down. He hit me with hands only a couple kicks, you know, and nothing that was like, so that's where I'm, I get confused. It's like, yeah. you know, I've had fights where I've lost, I've lost where guys have controlled me, but I put more damage on them. It's like, so, so what am I doing here? Is it damage or is it control? Cause everyone says it's damage, but then it's like, you look at what I'm, what I'm doing to people. And it's like, so is it damage or not? Cause like now it's like, for me, I'm like, well, I have no choice. I have to finish these guys because these judges don't know what the fuck they're talking about or what they're doing. They're well, confused. Everyone's confused. We're all confused. Nobody knows. Well, damage, know? is, damage is supposed to be the number one scoring criteria. They, they talk about it. And I've had this conversation with Mike Mazzulli so many times and they call it the triple, the, the triple D's. Um, you know, damage, uh, dominance and duration, you know, yeah. now it's unfortunate that I think there's times where whether it's you fighting or maybe you're cornering, you know, one of your teammates or you're just sitting on, you know, on your couch on a Saturday night watching fights. I think we all have that. Like, yeah, I mean, cause there's times I've sat there and, I, and I'll be like, damn, what? like I was literally last Saturday, I'm watching the Jim Miller, Alex Hernandez fight. And I was like, okay, close fight. You know, all three kind of close rounds. I, th I thought it was 29-28. Alex. Yeah. And then when they said 30-27, I was like, did yeah, I just miss something? Fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think something definitely has to be done about it. I know it's not I know it's not easy. Like I understand that they don't necessarily it's not like there's like a ton of judges out there with that are qualified to be able to do this. 
But, you know, there's got to be other people out there that can like you can sit down, have a full meeting, understand exactly what you're looking for and find a better way to do this because guys are getting robbed out of their purse. They're getting robbed out of like opportunities because like, look, if I, you know, even for like, you know, you, we could talk about the Sean O'Malley fight. We could talk about the Patty Pimblett fight. It's like who won those fights? Like my personal opinion, I didn't think that those two won those fights. I thought that they lost. I thought the other guys won and it's like now that they, you know, they lose their, their ranking, they lose their half their pay. Um, you know, they, in those other guys get like a, the next chance for a belt or like not that Patty's going to, but I'm saying that, you know what I'm talking about more closely to towards that belt. And for me, it's like, you know, again, I understand that it wasn't, you know, it was a close fight with me and Dan, you know, I'm not saying that I, you know, I was a one side dominant fight, but I definitely felt that I won that fight. And, um, you know, but that for me, it's like to to take a loss like that um, to a guy like that kind of sets me back just a little bit. Now I have yeah. to more times to prove myself to get to the UFC. Like this guy's not fighting in the UFC. You know what I mean? He's never fighting in the UFC. That's just a fact. Um, and I'm like, I'm still right there. So it's not the end of the world. Got 25 minutes of experience. And like, I try not, to, I'm not trying to be bitter about the situation. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's a frustrating thing for me because it's like with all the time and effort that I put into this and how far and how much, you know, I'm like, I'm right there knocking on the door. I'm like, Hey, I'm right here. It's like, is that going to give them a reason not to like overlook me? Cause I didn't, you know, put him away or whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's frustrating, but it, 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 the word I use, and, and I guess more times than not, I look at from like your perspective is transparency. That transparency of, you know, if a, a split decision doesn't go your way, you know, that ability for you at least pick up the phone on a Monday morning and go, and, and whether it's the executive director or, you know, whomever it may be and sit there and go, hey, man, I, he goes, I just want an explanation. That's all I want. You give me an explanation, explanation is. But I also say this, there is no way in hell I want to be in that judge's seat. No way yeah. in hell. Like, I, yeah. I don't, like, first off, they're extremely underpaid. For what they do, you know, yeah. and, and like and you, you bring up the great point and, and I feel like it's especially on, you know, the, the regional scene where you're trying to get to the big show. Like, yeah, I mean, if you win a fight and you get screwed up a decision, does that maybe set you back six months, 12 months, two yeah. years? I mean, that, that, that to me is kind of where I, I, that's the frustrating part to me. And especially, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you could sit there countless times and think about your teammates that you sat there and watched fight and you go, God damn it. You know, but like, do you get over that? I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, for me, it's like, look, opportunity, like I was, I'm not going to lie. Like I, you know, the, one of the biggest things that, you know, that I struggled with was like, did I make the right decision? Because the Sunday before the fight, I tested positive for COVID. So I got COVID the week of the fight. And it was a decision. It was like, do you take the fight and still go and do this? You get five rounds with a guy you know is durable and can go or not. And I thought back about it and it's like, would you change anything that you, you did? Because like I said, I was kind of like, I can't pull out of this fight because it's like a huge opportunity. This is my next thing. But also, I, I don't know, man. I think it's like to get 25 minutes of experience with a guy that's not going to go away to get up to have the opportunity to sit in the corner four times, talk with your coaches. Hey, like we need to make this adjustment. We need to make this adjustment, have all these people. I mean, this was 
the most nuts fight I've ever been to in my life. He's got people screaming at me. Mm-hmm. He's, he's my people are screaming at him. Our my families are fighting. It's a wild thing. I mean, I honestly like when I look back on it and the way that things unfolded because like I went through like a massive depression. Not gonna lie, I hate hate losing, hate losing like that. Um, but I, you know, when I look back and as the the rest of the the next couple months had like played out, I mean, this opportunity came to me after that. You know, so for me, it's like, yeah, it sucked. But then like to see how things unfolded as like, you know, it is what it is. Like, I can't, you know, you can't change that. Like, and I don't think I would change it, to be honest with you, because like that fight forced me to make certain adjustments that I made for the Castillo fight. And I thought that I showed up and did like all the things that I did wasn't able to do because I made adjustments because I was like, I don't know, you know, I changed my stance for the Dubuque fight because I was like, I don't want to like. I don't want to gas out because I was afraid of, well, I have the cardio for five rounds. You know, I was like, I, you know, I had, I had trained hard, but now it's like, I don't know. My lungs going to hold up for five rounds now because I'm sick. You know, I don't, I don't know. So I changed my stance. I was, you know, I wasn't really fighting. Like I was supposed to fight out of uh, South Palmore. I fought, fought more out of Orthodox just for comfort. And um, when I look back at the tape and I saw a bunch of different things that I could do better, I applied those same things against Castillo, who's like, I would say a lesser version of Dan. Um, and I destroyed him, you know? And, and I think it shows that like, just because shit doesn't go your way and it's like, I could sit there and complain and cry and not fight and be like a little bitch about it. But at the end of the day, I made the adjustments I needed to do. I came back like a month and a half later and I put a beating on a guy, another guy, you know? And, I don't, you know what I mean? Like I, I, at the end of the day for me, it's like, I don't think I would change anything, you know, because I don't know if like the way things, you know, panned out for me and to get another fight in for, cause then it's like, could they find another guy for me to, to defend that belt at 45 for the next month? You know, yeah. who knows? No. Um, so I guess it's like, yeah, I'm like when I see that on my like tapology or sure dog and I see like the loss, it's like, it obviously bothers me. But at the same time, it's like, look, it's part of the journey. You learn, you, you know, for me, it was like, hey, I can't leave it in the hands of the judges. I got to do everything I can to train even harder, stay more focused, understand my game plan. Don't deviate from it, no matter what the circumstances are, and do everything you can to put somebody away. And that's it. You know, if I can't, you can't, you know. And like, again, like, um, you know, I know he he's unfortunately had to deal with some family issues. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for that for him. And um, so, you know, for him, like it was his time. Like, maybe that's why it wouldn't go away. You know, like yeah. he had the hard warrior he he it's not like he he didn't show up he showed up and um you know i commend him for that and uh it is what it is man you know we're on to the next one already so i you know i i wouldn't change anything it is what it is and before we get on to this this fight coming up here i, I did see you look over your instagram i can see you on your shirt there training now at american top team so oh, yeah. How, yeah. How, what 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 led to this decision of, of to you know make that make that change so uh, what happened was my uh, my striking coach that I've been working with for the last two years. He uh, after the debut fight. So after uh, now losing, uh, he had, he had talked to me before when I I think uh, before the Javon fight and said, "Hey, we might have to move because there were some issues with their landlord and they were selling the property." And he was like, "We're probably going to end up moving down to Florida." And I was like, "Fuck," because like he was like my head coach, uh-huh. um, and. I, trained with him four times a week and then I was going to Lozans and to Jeff Adad's and Ascension so what ended up happening was before the Castillo fight he left mm-hmm. so I was kind of like well you know I 
I was kind of split between like, do I spend more time at Ascension? Do I spend more time at Lausanne's? I don't really know. You know, it's a two hour drive to Lausanne's. It's an hour to Jeff's. And it's like, it's, it gets, you know, my car has run the miles. My body has run the miles. I'm sitting <laughs> yeah. in the car, driving for hours on top of work. So it's like, um, my manager was like, I really want you to come down to Florida and, and check out American Top Team. And so he uh, had put in a word with them and he'd spoken with them. And he, uh, he I'm living with him now, actually. This is his apartment. So I moved in here uh, December 1st. And I believe I started training like December 3rd at uh, American Top Team. And uh, it's it's been a, a wild, wild journey for me. Um, and it's honestly everything I, I could have uh, imagined. Um, training with the best guys in the world, um, being surrounded by the best guys in the world and, uh, and females, you know, world champion level Olympians, um, PFL, Bellator one, UFC, like every, everywhere you look, it's just like legend, legend. legend. And it's like, um, I, I mean, I don't even know. I don't really, I, I have so many things I could you know say about it, but it's been, it's been amazing, you know I mean? And it's definitely showed me where I, things I need to work on. And I've been here for three months, so I've been, you know, had a lot of time. This has been like a long camp for me, you know what I mean? Like it's been, you know, training with people from all over the world with different backgrounds and different styles. And, you know, the uh, the experience has been unbelievable. And uh, I know I'm going to be 10 times better because of it, you know, so. You know, I've talked to other Northeast fighters who have talked about this, of the amount of miles you put in your car yeah. each and every day. Just going from, you know, one gym to another gym, you know, and like I, I remember uh, Rob Font. He had he goes he goes. I think I put five hundred miles on my car a week. Now, obviously, being down there in South Florida, I got to imagine. Uh, you know, are, are you even getting fifty miles on the car a week? Nah, I don't think I don't know because it's only like a twenty minute drive for me now. Yeah. You know, twenty minutes to the gym, and it's like everything's there. You know, I don't have to go like an hour one way for wrestling and then two hours the other way for jujitsu. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like everything is in there, you know, wrestling, jujitsu, you know, striking and sparring. It's like you have, you know, access to every, some of the best sparring partners and grappling partners and, and coaches that you could ask for. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm putting way less miles on my car. <laughs> it's sunny here. I missed winter. It's been great. You know, I didn't have to worry about the snow anymore. Like I got a tan, you know, I can't complain. Sitting by the pool every day. As a long as a lifetime for a resident, you're gonna realize pretty quickly you don't you're not gonna miss that white stuff. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <coughs> Sorry. You, you, no, you, absolutely not. Yeah, you don't gotta like I yeah, I I took my buddy Pete, I go, you know what? I don't have to give up my morning and shovel snow out of my driveway to leave the house. It's it's nice, you know. I, you know, the, the I think the hardest part for this this camp has definitely been um, not being around my friends and family. Mm -hmm. um, my wife has been home for the last three months with my parents, um, and I've been out here with my manager. And I think that was like the hardest part is like because again, yeah, like it. And the reason I bring this up is because she'll be like, uh, I was talking with my buddy Eddie today or Eddie George, and he was like, dude, it's forty degrees here. It's freezing. The wind is so cold. I said, really? I was like, it's 86 degrees here. I was like, I, so I, I literally <laughs> just looked at my watch here, here in Tampa. It's 83. Yeah. It's, 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 I'm like, I feel bad for them, but I'm like, oh, man, I can't, you know, I don't, I kind of feel bad, but it's like when I wake up and the sun is shining, I'm like, oh, it's a good day. It's a good day. You know? 
I mean, is, is your is a plan for your wife to to move down to South Florida with you? Yeah. So um, we were dealing with like her. We're trying to get her green card. And so that has been a long time issue mm. trying to get her green card. And finally, I flew back um, uh, earlier this month, uh, February 1st. So I came home from the holidays. We had gotten the message saying, hey, like February 1st or, or February 2nd, we have the green card thing. I'm like, oh, my God. So now I got to buy another plane ticket, fly back home again. We did the interview. Luckily, she got her green card. And so after this fight, we'll probably spend the month of April home. And then we're both going to move down here because um, we could finally move because we had we had lived in Connecticut and then we moved to Massachusetts uh -huh. and that caused us an issue like moving back and forth for the green card. So, you know, that uh, we couldn't we I we would agree we didn't want to go through that again and have to maybe wait another year. We had to wait about a year oh, wow. after we moved. And that was like we went to the office, the immigration office, and they were like, oh, you don't live in Connecticut anymore. So we can't do the interview here. We we're like, really? And so we waited another year. And so she wasn't able to work. And, you know, it's it was a it was a disaster, man. So, you know, thank God, you know, we finally got that going. She can work again. And, um, you know, I you know, I miss her a lot. You know, I really do. I miss seeing her. I miss being around her. You know, we talk on the phone every day, but it's yeah. not this. And so to have her uh, I'm actually um, I'm leaving on Saturday to go home for the last two weeks of camp, um, cut the rest of the weight. And because I'm going to I'm not going to bring anybody from here just yet. Um, I want to uh, take my old team again. And um, Eddie George is going to be in my corner, Jeff Haddad and then my buddy Alex. Um, and then we'll you know, we'll figure out what we're going to do as I move forward. But, um, you know, the goal is in um, I think May we're going to move down here full time and become uh, residents of florida and this is this could be my new home from now so uh in terms of the matchup against damian nelson like uh what's your, what's your thoughts of damian uh, of the, the the attributes that he's gonna bring to you uh so this is a great matchup i i like it a lot um he's a he's clearly game he's competitive he's an athlete um first and foremost you know he's got good boxing and you know he could throw some kicks um you know i think overall like i'm just better I'm just better everywhere. You know, I'm more well-rounded, you know, he's don't get me wrong. The guy's tough. He's going to bring a fight. Like it's not going to, I can't just walk in there and, you know, walk through this guy. Um, you know, it's definitely going to be a game of strategy, a game of uh, chess for sure. But I, I ultimately do believe that I'm well-rounded everywhere and that, you know, he doesn't bring the same type of fight that I bring. You know, he seems like more of a guy who's like a point fighter. If you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like he should yeah. like, get in, get out. Like I want to hurt you. I want to hurt you. Like, I want to break you. I want to, like, I want to hurt your body. I want to kick through you. I want to elbow your face in. Like, I I want to make it a fight, and that's what I'm going to do. Um, I always bring the fight. I always, you know, I'm always bringing, looking for violence, and that's what I, that's just who I am, and that's just who I am to my core. But um, I want to, I'm going to interrogate this guy. I'm going to ask him questions. I want to, I'm going to ask him, do you really want to be a fighter? You know, I want to find out, do you really want to be a pro fighter? Because at the end of the day, this fight basically could be, me going to the contender series this summer or him going to the contender series this summer. And that's in my mind, that's how I see mm -hmm. it. We're fighting for an opportunity to fight for, a, for a contender series slot. So he's in my way now and I'm sure he's a nice guy, but that doesn't mean shit to me because this is my future. This is everything I've worked for. Like all the sacrifice I've made for the last three months. Like I don't really care what he's going to do because I know what I'm going to do. I'm bringing, I'm bringing the war, I'm bringing the violence. I'm bringing every mean and nasty tool I have to, to put this guy away. I want to finish this guy. He's never been finished before, but I don't think he's ever fought anybody my caliber. And I don't think he's ever fought anybody that's 
fights as mean as I do. So I'm gonna find out. You know, I'm gonna start asking him questions. See what he's. Let's see what he brings to the table. You know. So is the challenge for you for this fight is the challenge is I want to be the first guy to finish him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's always that's always my thing. Like I I want to finish everybody. Um, but you know, you know, I got to be smart too. You know, the guy's mm-hmm. dangerous. You know, he's got yeah. he's got some power in his hands, and you know, he wants to win as well. So I think it's one of those things where it's it's like picking my opportunities and and uh, wearing him down and, and grinding him down and you know see you know like I said like uh, I don't I don't think like based on the, the the caliber of opponents like I'm not I don't think that the caliber of opponents you fought were were bad or anything but it's just like when you there's certain people you fight and you're like oh fuck like I gotta fight this guy you know and I know he's gonna come looking to take my head off but that doesn't mean shit to me you know what I mean like I every every guy comes to try to take my head off and. You know, I send them through the buzzsaw and they look like they went, you know, they went through a wood chipper or something. And so that's what my goal is, is to make him feel like he just everything he does is wrong. And every every movie makes is just wrong. Set the traps and just brutalize him and find out, like, do you really want to be a fighter? And is, is this really the game you want to be a part of? So did you ever have that moment for you, like early on in your career of kind of having that understanding of like, hey, this is what I was meant to do? Um, I think when I, earlier on, when I, when I had started fighting, uh, in my mind, I thought I was the guy. And then, uh, I took a couple losses as an amateur that made me think like, man, like maybe I'm not the guy, you Uh know, or like, what do I have to do to be the guy, you know? And so as I went through my amateur career and then as my, you know, my pro, my earlier part of my pro career, it was more like, what, what else would you do? Like, what else would you want to do with your life, you know? And, like, especially now, like, after three months of being here and being able to train with all these amazing people and I look back on my career, it's like, I think, you know, I don't think I would I would want to do anything else with my life, you know? All I know is fighting. People say, like, what do you do for fun? It's like, what do you mean? Like, this is what I do for fun. Like, it's like my job, but it's my – it's like a – like, people would consider it like a hobby, but it's like, this is my job, like – and uh, even on my worst days, I still love the fuck out of it. You know, <laughs> I love. Like, I don't give a shit if I get beat up. I don't care if I have a bad day. I just like, walk off the mat with a smile, knowing like, hey man, I get to go to work and do what I love every day with great people. You know, people who are like minded. And so I, I don't know. Like I think ever since I started, like I've always known this is what I want to do. You know, after college when I graduated, I was like, what do I want to do with my life? I don't know. Um, but you know, I've, I stuck it out. And I think like when you, when you lose and you have to ask yourself, how bad do you want it? I think this is the, the times when I lost like back to back and it was like, fuck, do I really want to do this? Like yeah. I'm spending all my time, my money. And, and it was like, what else would you do, man? Like, of course you want this. You just got to figure out the things you need to, you know, you need to work on and, and, and just keep moving forward. You know, win or, lo- win or lose to me, it's like, it's a, it's a game of problem solving and I love solving problems. So for me, like I'm going to ride this, I'm going to ride this pony all the way to the, as long as it'll keep fucking moving, you know? And of course it all goes down here. March the 18th, CES MMA 72. Nate, as always, man, I appreciate time. Of course, uh, let me know they can find you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Uh, just a shout out to my sponsors. Um, RNA reset HKA, um, uh, they have been super, they've been super, super helpful throughout this camp. Um, I've got, uh, Western mass hemp and just blazed. Um, and the band stained has decided they're going to sponsor me. So they oh, wow. have, 
me for this camp as well. Um, but, uh, you know, you can follow me on Nasty Nate, uh, Nasty Nate Garib MMA. Um, and, uh, man, thank you for your, thank you for your time. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, doing this interview. Uh, it's been, uh, it's been awesome, man. Joining me now here on the MMA report is a man that's going to be fighting for the vacant middleweight title CSMA 72 friend. Uh, appreciate the time. Obviously you, you made your return uh, to martial arts earlier on this year. And, you know, I was watching your, your fight uh, there at CS 70 and, you know, leading into the fight, they really talked about kind of your story and talking about how, you know, you were, you were fighting for all the wrong reasons, you know, back when you were in this sport, you know, 12 plus years ago, um, like a, as you think about your mindset, set as a fighter where you're at right now as opposed to 2009 2010 2011 how different is that mindset the mindset now i have is completely that uh, this is a complete art and i love my art i take it very seriously um i try to remember to enjoy it as much as possible i'm having my best fight camp yet but um quite honestly back then it was just about the glamour it was just about you know how much attention I could get. And now it's really just about performing the best I can do. And um, I have a huge support system around me. In talking about the best fight camp that you've ever had, is there something you can point to of why you feel that way? Like I said, the support system and the coaching that I have around me, um, they keep me on track. You know, sometimes I get really excited. Uh, and remember, I have to settle in and sometimes I know when it's time to turn it up a little bit, you know, and um, uh, being controlled is um, a big spotlight on what I want to do and, and uh, show show the young bucks how it's supposed to be done when you, you know, take your time and do it the right way. As you think about that return earlier this year, or at CES 70, I mean, like, what, is there something about that night that still sticks out to you? Um. I just since since that first fight, to be quite honest with you, it's it's just been surreal. The whole thing, the fact that I'm blessed enough to have the opportunity to do it all again, and and I, I think that once once this this belt's in my hands, I think uh, you know then I can take a moment and reflect and and, and take each chapter down and, and write it down and be like, wow, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I really feel. Um, I, I once a fight's over, the fight's over. I have the next step to worry about and uh, whether it's good or bad, you know, it's the same thing with life. Bad things happen. You move on to the next thing and you make the best you can out of it. You know what I mean? What was the moment? Do you remember the moment when you said, I'm going back down this fighting path? Like, is there, is there something that sticks out to you of why was there something you just, was it a feeling you had? Was, was there something that happened in life? Oh, I'm getting the goosebumps thinking about this. So, uh, <laughs> When I started my recovery, my sister, Cassie, she um, took me into her house, into her basement, and I ended up picking up a bag that said UFC on it. And I'd st stare at it, and then I was 30 pounds heavier, out of shape, and I'd, I'd just start hitting the bag in the basement, where it all started in the basement. And then, uh, I, I'm sorry, I got off on a tangent. What was the question again? No, just in, in terms of like, you know, that, that moment when you said, okay, I'm going back down this professional fighting route again. Yeah, there, there was a few things that happened. So I have a, a health and nutrition coach. His name's Clayton Baker. 
he uh, got my diet on, which my diet started feeling really good. Um, he has a whole team of support around around him that brought all different aspects that I never knew about. Um, so that was part of it. Um, having a lot of alone time, thinking about, you know, fighting is not just about fighting. Life is a fight. You know what I mean? Life is a video game and you always try to level up your character. And uh, that's just kind of how I took it. I took everybody, everybody, man, uh, from my JITS coaches, Evan, my boxing coach, Rocky, my Muay Thai coach, Scott, all of them. I mean, my manager, Chris, he's been with me since the beginning of this, since back 12 years ago. He brought me into a karate dojo and he was like, hey, you want to try this? And from there it took off. And I'm literally having goosebumps right now. (laughs) You you know, when... When the pandemic started, I had, I had a coach say to me, he said that his message to his athletes was, look, it's easy to look at the negative aspects of, of, of what MMA was at that point, especially if you were not in the UFC, where you just couldn't get a fight. And he said his message to his athlete was, this is a time to level up. How have you leveled up since that fight uh, back at CS70? <laughs> How have I not leveled up, to be quite honest? <laughs> um and I can say that not with cockiness, but with confidence. Like I said, it, I, I've been pushed in all the right directions um, from breathing to everything, everything. You know, um, I want to make sure that my game is well-rounded. Everybody says, oh, it just takes everybody down and pounds them out. Okay, that's what's my cup of tea is. But just know I'm a well-rounded fighter and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what it takes, whether it's on the ground, whether it's on the feet, wherever he wants to bring it. But do you look at that as an as an advantage? Like I, I've talked to other guys who talked about like you know, especially you know fighters who are, are young in their career. We have a couple of fights, and maybe there's not a lot of footage out there. But the footage out there says they do this well. I mean, and let's just let's just say wrestling as you were talking about, and, and they talk about the advantages that that brings them into a fight because their opponent is fully understanding that, and it allows you to potentially open up other things, you know, with, with the striking aspect, because, Hey, you could, you could feign a takedown and all of a sudden they react so well. Like I, like the one memory that really sticks in my memory today. And I think it's because of this being a most recent fight was when Ryan Bader was taking talk about his first fight against Fedor. He said, he goes, I knew how he reacted to feints and he goes, I was just waiting for it. And so he goes, I use that to my advantage. So like you use, do you look at your ability to take the match to grounds? Like that's my biggest advantage because I can either use it or use it as a fake. What I do personally, I call it cruise control. Um, my all time favorite fighter is John Jones. He beats people at what they're good at. And, uh, I admire that. And, um, I like to be so well-rounded that I know at any point, at any time in the fight, wherever it goes, I can handle myself. You know, and, and that's just my thoughts. I really have total confidence in that. I have, I have world champions around me in all aspects. And, <laughs> you know, um, I, I'm getting so excited right now. <laughs> it's interesting that you bring up John Jones and that mentality because I brought that up to various fighters saying, hey, do you have that Jones mentality of like, I know what I'm good at, yeah. but no, nah, man, I want to beat you at your own game. Like, yeah. why, why, you know, is it because of, was there a moment you heard Jones say that? And you're like, damn, I like that I, thought process. I watched it and I watched it in the way that he made it an art form and the way that he meditated, the way that he helped people 
you know, he helped people. He was before a fight. He was meditating and someone at a park needed help and he got up and helped the lady. Like he, you know, he had his flaws like we all do. But at the end of the day, he's the best of the best. You know, him, George St. Pierre, very, very disciplined. Um, I take a little bit from every fighter I, I see well, that sticks out to me and I make it my own, you know. And with that being said, um, you know, I, I can't wait to help build the future and, and, and help people thrive and um, teach some young kids and continue to teach myself because I believe that there's no, there's no, at no point in time in life should you stop teaching yourself, whether it's a guitar, whether it's fighting, whether it's whatever it may be, you gotta, you gotta keep the brain going. Tim Karen is a guy that I'm very familiar with. He, he's been around that Northeast scene for a long time. You know, uh, when, when CES gives you a call or, or Chris, your manager gives you a call and says, Hey man, we, we've got this opportunity. It's Tim Karen. It's a middleweight title fight. Do you remember what your initial thoughts of the matchup were? We asked for him actually. Um, we, um, we knew he was another step on the ladder. Um, that number one spot in New England's looking really nice. Uh, I know he's number 42 across the country. I, I think I'm ranked like 220 or something. Uh, I got to a point where I'm like, you know, Time to challenge myself. You know, I'm not belted. He's belted. The challenge is what it's all about. To to look the man in the mirror the next day and be like, I did it. You know, with the support of my team, I did it. You know, so that's what makes this fire inside of me right now. You know, and it's not done until it's done. But that's what keeps me going. You mentioned about you know, hey, I'm going to challenge myself. It is also part of that thought process of. Look, I, I can't be wasting time. I, I know that, you know, I'm not 21 years old anymore. Is that part of your mentality of, like, there, there's a little bit of trying to fast-track everything? There is and there isn't because I would absolutely demolish 21-year-old Fran. <laughs> <laughs> um, I train with guys from anywhere from 18 years old to 42 years old. Look at Tom Brady, the greatest, man. He, mm-hmm. he did it till he was 42. My initial coach, Matt Lee. He did it till he was 42. You know what I mean? And I feel like age is just a number. If you take care of your body the way you're supposed to do it with everything, you know, you say all the time, I can't waste time. I actually need downtime for all the younger fighters out there. They need to know. They need to shut the brain off once in a while. They need to hug a friend. They need to go bowling. They need to do something, go to a paint night, do whatever you got to do to get your mind off it because, you know, you'll drive yourself crazy. You know, a big thing that I've implemented into my workout is yoga and hot Pilates. Mm -hmm. And all these young athletes need to know that the core is huge. You know, it's a big part that I thought that I had that I had to work on. You know what I mean? You know, having a chance to be around Brady for the last three years here in Tampa, it's, it's still amazing to me as someone who's been around sports for all my life, someone someone competing at 45 years old, especially in a game like football. And, you know, in combat sports, we typically, if we do see that, it's usually heavyweight. But, like, have you started to look at and say, you know what, because of all the technology and, and, and science that's out there that you see, you can see yourself competing at, say, 42 years old? Uh, I have to be completely honest, and I like to keep my word. I told um, CES that this is – pretty much going to be my last fight um, unless there's an opportunity that I can't resist. Um, But I've been very fortunate. I played sports my whole life and I never went into anything thinking I was going to get hurt. So 
who's to say that this fight doesn't go a minute long and I don't break a sweat and then there's a big opportunity, you know, and then I'll have to weigh out my options because the fight camps take away from my dog, they take away from my daughter, they take away from um, business, they take away from everything, you know what I mean? And, and um, it's not like a midlife thing, but it's at a point where I, that competitor in me needs to find a way where I can help people and I can still be a competitor. You know what I mean? I got to be honest with you, man. I don't believe that R word in MMA. <laughs> don't I, I, I don't. I don't believe it. Like I, I literally like. I, I remember uh, Greg Rubel, who used to be up there in Northeast. Me and him would joke about. It. I said, "Greg, you can say that word all you want. I would never believe you." Yeah. No, I'd like to get up with him sometime because he's a smart man. He, he's one of the better to do it ever up here. Absolutely. Uh, definitely a mentor of mine, without even knowing it. Um, no, there's so many people in New England that are just great people to be around, you know, from the South Shore. I just, I love the community of it. You know, you're born a fighter. You you are a fighter. You can't really teach that to somebody. You can teach them the technical stuff. You can teach them the other stuff, but you're either a fighter or you're not a fighter. You know, a lot of people can punch a bag, but it takes a lot to take a punch. What When you think <laughs> about when you started this fighting path all those years ago, like what? What was it about the fight game that that drew you? Uh, be honest with you, I grew up with a pretty rough up, upbringing, and you know we all dealt with our past. We all have stories, but long story short, is I started to get into trouble um, with fighting and drinking and pills and all the whole rigmarole. And um, you know, I'm finally accepted that, and I want to share that story. But the point is, is um, the gang unit here out in Worcester, they gave me a chance. My first charity fight was give kids a fight and chance. And I didn't realize the opportunity I was presented back there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to say I wish I could go back and do it all over again because I wouldn't be who I am today. Yeah. But um, where I was going with it, what was the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just, you know, the, what ultimately drew you. Like, I mean, I know like the cliche that sometimes you thrown out there is this is why I fight. And I'm sure the reason why you fight right now is a million times different than why you fight back then. Yeah, one of the things that makes me really happy inside is I like to make people proud, you know, because when, when you have a team that invests in you and you have the opportunity to go out and perform, and that's the ultimate thank you to them, to say, like, look what you did. And it's not that I don't believe in a team because I played nine years of semi-pro football, but I know that if I go in there and I listen to everybody that's around me and I do what I have to do, then there's nobody else that can take the fall but me, you know, just like basketball, man-to-man -man defense. I'm a firm believer in that because you got to be hard-nosed. You stay on your man, you do your job on that team, and then the team will win. So that's my beliefs in it. When you, when you think about this fight in the future, is it safe to say it's more like just taking it one fight at a time and you just kind of see where everything plays out? I mean – you know, is that the best way to put it? Oh, I, I got to – it's something I really can't give you an answer to right now, and, and that's just being completely honest. Um, like I said, I have to weigh out all the options if it makes sense monetarily, if it makes sense on my body, longevity. If I can – I like to help people. I want to help people. Can I help people and concentrate on myself, on myself the whole time? You know what I mean? Um, I've always wanted to buy a house, so – if I get an opportunity for the right dollars to be able to buy a house, then yeah. I might take it. I might say, hey, family, we got to do this for another year or two. And I'll talk to them about it and we'll go from there. 
but um it's it's going to be it's going to depend on the fight and it's going to be t- depend on what the team says because I know they care about me and they're going to lead me in the right direction how do you envision helping people uh, my manager and I have uh, created a brand it's called Thrive FTF which it means multi things it means for the future and okay. friend the fury um, and the the team that we have around us um, if, if we plug everybody in in the right pieces the the impact that we can make from health and wellness when I mean health and wellness I'm talking there's a book uh, called you versus you by Monty Sanders and he worked with Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and he worked side by side with these athletes so he at any point he probably could have did went on the field and played and we have some up and coming fighters Zach Magnus he's playing he's fighting I call it playing. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's gonna be fighting another local guy. Colin's gonna be fighting. You know, I know Tommy Davis is gonna be fighting. There's so much talent, and if people would put, um, you know, I know you have your core team, but I feel like the community of MMA should just merge. Mixed martial arts is mixed martial arts. The more looks you have from the more types of fighters, the better fighter you're gonna be. Sometimes you might be fighting your friend. But at the end of the day, let's shake hands, and when it's over, it's over. You know what I mean? If you don't like it, we'll do it again. Let's sign it up again. <laughs> you know, you what know I mean? it's interesting you say, hey, we're going out to play where, you know, you have wrestlers who sometimes they don't call it a fight. They say, hey, we're going to have a match. You yeah. know, even though at the end of the day, we, we know what, what's going on in terms yeah. of, of getting in there. When you talk about helping people out, you talk about the health, but is there also part of that of obviously what you've been through? throughout your entire life and and maybe being able to touch the younger generation in your hometown and and that yes. being another way of, of helping you know people who maybe they're currently going through what you went through previously no there there um, are so many avenues opening up with this my one of my biggest guys I look up to Ryan Mins um, he played quarterback for a semi the semi pro team I played for he asked me to go speak at Palmer High School so um you know, that's, that's flattering, you know, and, and the fact is, is I, I a firm believer in the truth will help people. So, um, I get out there and I spread the word about dealing with traumas and I spread the word about overcoming traumas and I spread the word about mental health and I spread the word about addiction and I spread the word about, you know, my diet and I spread the word about core strength. And there's so many avenues. If the people want to listen then we can make an impact on the, on housewives. We can make an impact on husbands. We can make an impact on children. Because let's be honest, we got to get rid of these friggin' McDonald's. You know what I mean? It's poison we're putting in our bodies. Um, let's get America strong again, and you know, let's merge. Let's start with New England and go from there. You know, we can make a worldwide impact through MMA because MMA is an extreme version of discipline. But if someone mm-hmm. takes a portion of that discipline, they're gonna change their life completely. Uh, the nickname, The Fury. Who gave it to you? That's this guy over here. I wish he'd come say hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Fury was the name of the semi-pro team that we played for. Okay. And he told me the meaning of it. And if he feels like he wants to share, he can come on. But um, um, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> but it stuck good with your name. I know that it means furious. It means like... Um, a lot of times when I'm training and I put it into the next gear, like my strength and conditioning coach goes, oh, there's the Fury. And it's <laughs> kind of like, you know, Marshawn Lynch's beast mode. It's kind of like, uh, what's his name? Brian Dawkins, Superman. Yeah, yeah. It's like my alter ego. 
it's the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. And it's like when he turns on, it's like, okay, <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, one, one of the things that, that CES was telling me about you, they were, they were talking about some of the hobbies you had. One, one of the things that stuck out to me is, is you like playing cards. So is there a, a particular card game that, uh, you know, you know, maybe you and the fellas are on a Friday night and you say, hey, let's play some cards. Is it a go-to game for you? Um, I like to play Rummy. Um, okay. I haven't got over, like, another person sacrificing my grandmother. She's the one that taught me Rummy. But I like to play Rummy. I like to play Cribbage. I like to play Texas Hold'em. You know, all in good fun. Um, it slows down the pace a little bit. You get some laughs. Um, and that's the stuff that I'm talking about. You got to keep the balance. I'm reminding myself right now as we talk, like it's worth to sit down and have a card game once in a while. It's worth to have some laughs. You know, I take it really seriously. <laughs> so I forget the smiles sometimes. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm a spades guy. And, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I hate losing. I'm a terrible loser. I will flat out admit it. It doesn't matter <laughs> whether we're playing spades. I mean, look, literally I could be playing a board game with my wife. She yeah. knows, she knows I hate losing. <laughs> I hate losing. Yeah. I'm the same way. Cornhole checkers, chess. It don't matter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, lose, rack it up. We're going again. Yeah. You know, I, I just, yeah. I'm, I'm that, you know, like, look, I, I, me and my buddy play darts on, on Friday nights okay. and, uh, you know, more times than not, I, I've got the edge when I lose. I'm like, Ooh, no. yeah, I'm the type of person that will go buy a dartboard and play for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> like, but like a lot of fighters obviously have that characteristic of like, man, just that, that competitive edge you have. Yeah. Can you turn it off? I can. And that's one of the biggest things. I believe there's two things I believe. Like, so my daughter comes into play. I don't want to discourage people. And even at the gym, like right now, I put my blinders on when I'm training because that's my time to get ready for this fight. And it doesn't matter what they think. They could be thinking that I'm a, a, a show off or whatever they think I'm thinking, but they're not the ones getting in there. Yeah. But I would love to be able to show them the other version of me and, and, and be able to assist them and, you know, correct their technique because technique is the biggest thing. You know, um, and I see it. <laughs> I'm working out and I still see the things that I can help people with while I'm working out. But right now, my focus is to make sure that I'm doing it the right way. That way I can teach people the right way. You know, now, I tell them the strength and conditioning coach all yeah. the time. I'm like, dude, I, I love constructive criticism, which I hadn't for years. Now mm -hmm. I do. Like, tell, tell me what's wrong. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. I want to do it right. <laughs> so, I mean, so let's say it's a Saturday afternoon and, and you're, you know, you got your daughter and you're, you're playing a game. Is that when you go, okay, I got to turn the competitive juices off here? I She's sensitive like I am myself. So I'm, I'm still uh, I'm still figuring out how to raise a teenage daughter, to be honest with you. Um, I don't want to discourage her, but I also want, don't want her to be a cupcake, a powder, a powder puff. Like, like, listen, if you, there's no reason for second, third, I mean, second, third trophies are all right, but there's no participation trophies around here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want to win, then go train so you can win. You know, let's not give anything away. <laughs> so I want her to know that. And I want her to unlock her version of the Fury. And it might take time. Um, she's very blessed athletically. She's beautiful. She's smart. And she doesn't know the potential she has. But I'm letting her find her own path. You know, she really likes soccer. She really likes basketball she she picked up on softball no problem um i really wish she'd get in the jiu-jitsu gym with me but you know i can't force her to do it 
<laughs> I, I know the CS now scene was talking about that you, you like your daughter to be able to watch your fights, and it kind of just made me think about this. Does she ever try to offer dad any criticism? No. It's, to be honest, it's um, the hug after the last fight. Yeah, you ask about memorable moments through this whole process, and that was probably one of the bit that picture. I should have it framed up on my wall because to see the tears in her eyes and that's the stuff that it's all about to know that she really does love you know what i mean sometimes i question it because i'm so busy but those are the moments it's all worth when she can hold up a belt and say look what dad did and even if it's not now at 12 or 13 years old like she she's 13 excuse me um when she's 20 and she's learning her her own work ethic and she says dad did it dad came back from addiction dad did this dad did this so i try to remind myself of that is that part of the motivation to go out there and, you know, obviously the motivation to claim the title of, you know, you, you, you were the better man on that night, all that, but is part of that also for your daughter? Well, that's what it is, is, um, what, what's the best thing? People take care of their cars. They take care of everything else, but you got to take care of your body. So what I'm doing is learning how to take care of your body the best way possible. So that way she can have longevity. That way she can walk into the brand, thrive. Chris's, Chris's daughters can walk into the family, thrive, and they can be like, our family built this. We can pass this on, you know? I know it's the trendy thing of health and wellness, but it shouldn't be a trend. It should be how it's a lifestyle, you know? And that's the thing, too. Before I used to fight 10 years ago, I'd be like, all right, fight's over. I wouldn't show up to train for two weeks. I'd be off doing whatever. Now, you know. Now it's totally different. I'm excited. I'm excited for the clients that have reached out and said, hey, when can we work out? You know, because these people that have been giving me hugs that lost 10 pounds, that, that um, you know, it, it's it's that feeling. It almost is. It's almost as good as holding a belt up. <laughs> and of course this top match is here on March 18th Fran man I really appreciate you coming on the show get a chance to get to know you uh, of course uh, you know let everyone know about what you're doing up there with with your uh, your foundation there and helping people out and of course uh, the sponsors social media that are helping out for this one what we're doing yeah yeah just you know where, where people have kind of more, more information you know if they say they live up there in the northeast and, and maybe they want to get involved in, in what you and Chris are doing uh, how can they get involved in that Absolutely. So you can either add myself, Friend the Fury Collins, on Instagram. That's one way. Or Friend the Fury Collins on Facebook. Um, the, the web domain is uh, thriveftf.com. Um, and if anybody reaches out to me, I promise you I'll get back to you. It might not be right away, but I will get back to you. If you want help in any, any way that I can help, I'll, I'll try my best to do the best I can to help you. Um, that's it. Just reach out. If you don't ask, you can't get help. And if you believe in us, we'll believe in you. And that's just how it goes. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who's coming off a victory at Fury FC 75. He's got a decision win there. Darren, uh, appreciate time. Congratulations on the victory. You've, you've been at this thing now for uh, for a couple of years now. So, uh, Amy debut 2018, according to Tapology. So, so, when does this martial arts journey start for you? Oh, geez. I mean... You know, it's always been a dream since, you know, I was a kid pretty much for everybody. And uh, growing up in a small town and everything, it was harder to reach out or have the opportunities. You know, so it was definitely a dream that I was chasing since I was a kid. And uh, I moved to Texas when I was 23. So, you know, even though I did train, I didn't fully commit till every day till I was 
you know, with Johnny Bedford. So, uh, yeah, you know, started training with guys in that level. So it took a while to, uh, you know, get on that level as well. You know, getting your ass kicked every day isn't the funniest. You know, it makes you a better mixed martial artist. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I started my career kind of late and didn't compete until I was 27 just because of, you know, pretty much life, you know, everything getting in the way, especially money. Money is definitely a big thing. MMA isn't a cheap sport, and especially to stay on top of the game, train full time, uh, you know, supplements and diet and everything. Like, yeah, it's it's not easy, but it's part of the lifestyle. And, you know, the juice is worth the squeeze for sure. So when do you actually make the decision that you're going to start taking fights? Uh. I always wanted to, you know, so I was working up to that, but Johnny or our head coach is the one that would, you know, pretty much uh, tell us when it's time to go or he believes in us. Because, you know, when you're in the cage and he's yelling stuff out or, you know, even jujitsu, there's still, you know, some gibberish that I don't know. You know what I mean? There's just always something new to learn. But, you know, you got to know key words when he's calling it out to, you know, advance position in the cage and, uh, that's the thing, you know, some guys will step in the cage too early and, you know, the pressure will get to you or it can be overwhelming or, you know, and then it's just a brawl from there and it's kind of like a street fight, you know, more uh, being tough than technical, you know, and that kind of thing will get you knocked out for sure. Do you feel pressure on fight night? I used to when I was an amateur and that's why the timing was so perfect or the way, you know, everything happens for a reason. So I feel like my time just wasn't ready when I was younger. Even 27, you know, it's kind of mature for uh, MMA. But, you know, I compete with the best of them. But, uh, you know, I'm not getting any younger for sure. But uh, in my amateurs, the pressure did get to me, uh, especially like tough fights, you know, overthinking, um, being centered and, you know, staying positive and having a positive mindset. Uh, it's very powerful. Uh, meditation and yeah, just kind of being centered, you know? So I really came into that and, you know, the best advice that I got was live in the moment, you know, don't live in the past. Don't live in the future. Just, you know, live in the present moment and, you know, live it to the fullest. And that's all you can do, especially when you're in the cage, you're going to be synced in. And, you know, it's a lot different now than it was then. Cause you know, then it was like, you know, thinking of here, there and everywhere. So, but yeah, I've definitely uh, mastered it. Not so much mastered, but a lot better than I was in my amateur. So I guess that's the difference between being a pro and an amateur, you know, what was the mindset any different heading into this one after previous two uh, fights? Uh, yeah, it definitely was, you know, I'm trying to make a statement and, you know, another loss would be, tragedy you know we're not trying to that. like i'm trying to make it to this you know the top of the sport and take advantage of every opportunity that i have uh you know personally i thought i had a not my best performance you know even though i won you know go figure but uh yeah you just know yourself and you know you're your own worst critic and yeah i just felt like i could have done a lot better in all areas and i wanted to finish i mean that's kind of what you're always going for not leaving it to the judges because sometimes like I feel like the judges don't know what they're talking about. But. In terms of that self-evaluation of your performance, I mean, I, you know, 
every fighter is going to look at more of the the things that you felt you didn't do the way you 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 expected to perform. Like, mm-hmm. is there something that that even you know a couple of days after this fight's over that it's still kind of eating at you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I still watch the fight. You know, every day twice three times a day and you know you remember being in that moment in the cage and it's uh you know it's it's really you know at this level it's more mental than it is physical you know because uh if you think you're already or you're questioning anything you know you want full confidence stepping in the ring and you know performing at the best of your ability so you know what you did wrong or what you didn't do you know to put the extra effort in when you're in the cage and you know you realize that when you're in the cage you're like oh shit, maybe i shouldn't have done that you know or <laughs> done more um so yeah i do remember in the moment you know what i mean so definitely this next fight um you know i'm planning on to uh, capitalize on that in terms of the positive aspects, when you, when you think about, uh, you know, what, what you're the proudest about in terms of what you did on fight night, maybe something that you're implementing throughout this camp, what, what sticks out to you about your performance? Uh, for this fight, um, you know, I, I, it's hard to say, like, I don't want to give away too much, you know. Like I have, you know, opponents will look at your interviews and they'll. Oh, oh, tr- oh, oh, I know. I, I, I've heard so. I, I literally, I remember, man, this was probably like, I don't know, six months ago. And uh, it was, I had interviewed his opponent like three months before that. He goes, oh yeah, I watched that interview about four times just to see if I could catch anything that might give me an indication. No, you know what? I tell you what, uh, when I was, you know, 5-0, my first loss uh, against uh, Marquise Marquel. Oh, shoot. I don't know. He's, he's you know, he's, yes, he's a stud. You know, he's athletic. And, uh, you know, he saw my interview and I told my game plan exactly what I was going to do, T for T. And, you know, I'm very much a pressure fighter. And, you know, not a lot of guys are good with pressure, you know, backing up yeah. and so on and so forth. And, uh you know, there was a little smack talk before, you know, we got in the cage, which is normal, which is whatever, you know, I'm, I'm there for it, you know, I'm here for it. And uh, so we got in the cage and, you know, we didn't, you know what I'm saying? You could tell. And he looked at me and he said, no backing up, right? I said, no backing up. So I pressured so hard those, and as athletic as he is in Factory X guys, like they're very, they're ankle kickers, you know, so I knew that coming in and there's different kickers because he was kicking at my calf not so much the thigh and that's a game changer for sure. And, you know, it threw me off and especially messing with your confidence or, you know, cause once a fighter like starts to build their confidence, they get better. You know what I mean? They start bringing out their uh, whole skills and everything. And uh, yeah, you know, I hit a flat tire and, you know, I always jump back, but you never want uh, your opponent to gain so much confidence where you know, then it starts to pick up and, you know, the worst case scenario happens, you know. So that was uh, definitely an example of, you know, somebody watching my interviews, and, you know, but that's that's the thing. It's mixed martial arts. You have yeah. to be mixed martial arts. You can't fight everybody the same, you know, because somebody's end up uh, having a better game plan than you. And, you know, he was definitely the better fighter than me that night, and he had a better game plan, and he, uh, he controlled the tempo he got in my head and, you know, he did what he wanted me to do, you know? It, okay. That, that makes me think about is you have these, I always talk about um, 
perception is not always reality. And you can go into a competition with a, a mindset of, okay, in this situation, Chris, that, okay, this is how I think he's going to attack me. And then maybe there's something that happens in the fight that you go, oh, damn. Wasn't kind of mm-hmm. expecting that. Was there something about Chris that surprised you? I knew um, he's, he's a vet, you know, so you got to be careful with vets because they've been there here and everywhere. And, uh, you know, I dropped him in the first and my mistake, you know, watching it, I'm like, man, I should, you know, you're always going to do that regardless, you know, and even, you know, Alex Morano said it's iffy, you know, you're going to say one thing when you should have done another, you know, so you, you never know fighting if the fight world is very unpredictable. Um, so I remember just going for the takedown and I'm thinking, you know, cause that's kind of how we train, you know, we're like, we're pressure fighters, you know, bing, bang, boom. And Johnny Bedford's very much a wrestler first. So, and you know, it's the most dominating, dominating aspect of, you know, mixed martial arts is wrestling and, you know, so on and so forth. And especially if you're going to go to a decision, takedowns or good points control, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I should have went for the finish, you know what I mean? And, and it's so hard to say because it's like, you know, time does slow down when you're in there, but the, the thinking aspect of the MMA IQ, you know what I mean? It's something that's uh, not everybody has. And it's a big thing, you know, because when you, when you get to this level, you really have to have MMA IQ. You know, uh, my training partner, JC Dillion, one of the – I, I think he's one of the best, you know, but he, he – uh, gets in his own head, you know, like very, he fights with emotion and you can't really do that so much yeah. at this, you know, cause everybody's, you know, got skill and, you know, like I said, game plan and so on and so forth. So when you fight with emotion, you tend, you tend to not fight like yourself and you're looking to hurt somebody, you know, and you know, that goes with uh, everything that goes with it, like gas tank and yada, 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 which will get you knocked out. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's a, there was a bunch of examples in that fight where I was like, oh, shoot, I should I should have done this. I should have done that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why I said my performance, in my opinion, wasn't that great. And I always want to be uh, like me when I fought Santiago. Like that was, you know, bing, bang, boom, like the whole 15 minutes. And uh, there was a couple periods where I took some rest periods. You know what I mean? But I knew I had the control. I knew I was winning. But you know what I mean? Like uh, the UFC – they don't want to see that shit. They want to see you finish. You know what I mean? And I kind of, you know, I thought I could win on the ground because, you know, his previous opponents, like all killers, you know, like studs. And he got finished on the ground. So I was like, you know, let me see if I can, uh, you know, finish the fight there because I wanted to finish. I wanted to make a statement, but I chased it too hard. And yeah, I should have believed in more in my stand up because that's, that was the, my bread and butter. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, again, like I kind of, I should have higher MMA IQ than that. You know, you mentioned about you're your toughest critic. So who who's the next toughest critic of yourself? Uh, my coach. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's funny, like I was sending this uh, reel on Instagram, uh, Jamal Hill, he has this thing, he does the little clips and everything. And then you got the coach, you know, talking in between rounds. He's like, come on, you piece of shit. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, talking the fighters like, you know, but uh, John, he's a he's a great coach. I can say he's probably the best coach when it comes to having somebody in your corner because he knows how to talk to you. He knows how to put that fire in you. And that's a big thing. When you have no more gas, you need some fire. 
you know, to bring the best out in you. And uh, just the knowledge of the game, you know, like uh, he, even he says it himself, he's a better coach than he is a fighter. And when you can see things and he calls it out and that's kind of what it's all about sometimes, but you got to have the knowledge to know what he's talking about and listen, but you also got to have the gas tank in order to do those things. You know, when he's yelling at you, like, do this, do that, do this. I'm like, yeah, I, I would like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's always interesting when, you know, you, you watch the different coaching styles and I think a mm. lot of it has to do with the athlete. Like there's sometimes like, like you go back to last week's UFC event, you know, William Knight goes out there and puts on, you know, as he told me, as he said, he goes, I effed up, I froze. But mm. what I loved about his corner is like, I mean, they're just railing into him like, Hey man. And, you know, I think sometimes outside looking in, some people can look at you and go, oh, man, you're giving no technical advice. But then it's like they know their fighter. They know that, what what needs to be. Sometimes maybe the, the fighter just needs that technical advice. Hey, throw this one, two, you know, da, da, da. Or sometimes you just they, they need that coach to say, hey, what the F are you doing out there? For sure, for sure. And that's, yeah, that's exactly it. You know, your coach knows you better than anybody. You uh, spend all that time, blood, sweat, and tears into it. You know, he's going to know what to say to you. And, uh, yeah, you know, like I said, when you're in there, it's it's different because it's uh, your coach can only do so much for you. you got to put the work into, and it's a never-ending game. You know, you got to put the extra work in it if you want to compete at this level, you know, and, you know, not get knocked the fuck out, <laughs> you know, you're going to put the extra work in and, you know, like, uh, coach knows best, you know, if you're competing at this level, you know, obviously he's going to know the critiques and, you know, so on and so forth for what that fighter needs to work on and do, you know, and like I said, uh, the mental aspect is some people's worst enemy. And, you know, I can say no excuses. Like when I lost, uh, to Colton, uh, previous fight, um, I wasn't in a great mindset. You know, I walked in that cage feeling good. You know what I mean? Uh, but that negativity does get to you, you know? And uh, again, no excuses. I don't want to, yeah, exactly, say some stupid shit. But uh, yeah, I give him all credit to that win. He was a better fighter than me that night. But I feel like I was already defeated before I stepped in the cage, you know? I mean, is that is that just simply one of those things of sometimes, you, you know, you can, you can look at yourself and say, you know what? You know, this wasn't right for me leading up to this fight, but sometimes you just have to look at it and say, you know what, man, crap, man, I hate to admit it, but he got he's got the better of me that night. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know what I mean? Like, even in practice, you know, like uh, iron sharpens iron, and I'm going to beat you nine times out of ten, but sometimes, you know, like, you're going to get your licks in yeah. too, and that's exactly it too, but that's a part of the game is, you know, like I said, everything that you do in training camp leading up to the fight, you know, you want to – be disciplined you make sacrifices and you know it really shows in the fight and you know and that brings out the confidence and the positivity when you do step in the cage you're like all right i did everything right and in the moment in the fight you can feel it you know and that's all about living in the moment as well and if you're not in the best state of uh frame of mind your mind is going to go elsewhere as well yeah you don't want to do this fight so what is next for you? I mean, have you started to kind of think about uh, when you want to get back in there? Um, you know what? I, I would love to get right back in, but I kind of have uh, some legal stuff I need to uh, deal with. So I think I'm just taking March to get that out of the way, you know, to go along with the mental aspect, not having to worry about, you know, outside shit, you know, that does affect your everyday training and so on and so forth. 
Um, but I would like to get back in in April, you know, but if something presents itself, then fuck it, <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah, being six and two, I'd like to, uh, you know, Jason house is, uh, my manager, you know, Iridium, all that good stuff. And, you know, I know he knows best and, you know, he knows the connections and so on and so forth. So yeah, like I said, I would like to check out the contender, whatever opportunities presents itself because i think that uh starts in september or whatnot so you know six and two is not a bad record but uh seven and two or eight and two is even better no no doubt about it but of course we look forward to seeing the next time we see you uh back inside competition of course appreciate you coming on the show and uh let me know uh they can find you on social media the sponsors helping out or anything else you want to mention man uh i'm actually looking for new sponsors i have a couple good sponsors uh that i'll keep other than that uh it's all about the money when it comes down to it, you know? So that in order, you can, you know, use it to training camp and so on and so forth. But, uh, other than that, man, I appreciate you. And, you know, thanks for the interview. It was really cool. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who is coming off a victory at Fury FC 75. Jesse, congratulations on the victory. Uh, before we kind of get there, you've uh, you've been at this game for uh, well over a decade. So h- how do you get started in martial arts? Uh, I walked into an MMA gym one day and uh, sparred the first day I was there and just immediately fell in love. Uh, you know, a competitor growing up playing, you know, youth sports and, and high school baseball. I was a very competitive, so I love to train hard, and I'm just very energetic. So, if uh, if it if it right away. So, was there something that made you walk into that gym? Uh, just watching fight. You know, the UFC was just now kind of coming up when I was in high school, and man, it caught my eye on TV. I, I just thought, you know, that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen that you could fight for a living. And so I guess that's what drove me in, just seeing guys on TV that, that did it. And, and right away when I watched it, I thought it was something that I could do. So, uh, yeah, that's probably one of the reasons. It, it seems kind of unique to think that your first day you walk into the gym, you start sparring immediately. Yeah, yeah. This was like a this was a small MMA school at the time. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we live in a small town, so there's not many, like, big jiu-jitsu schools or big MMA schools. So, uh, kind of a small gym atmosphere, and you know that was one of the things that brought me up. And, and this was your first fight in a year. So, uh, what what was yeah. going on the last twelve months? Yeah, so we we had a couple calls from the UFC, and we accepted a couple fights, and they just didn't go through. Maybe uh, the opponent didn't pick me, or maybe the UFC just didn't choose. But uh, we've had a couple calls over uh, the past year, and that's what we were waiting on was a short notice fight, and. Uh, after not being able to get it, I just decided to go ahead and take take another Fury fight, you know, get a fight on my on my record again, and, and get in the cage, and uh, it felt good. It felt good to fight. And of course, you've now won five in a row. Like as you think about these these five uh, straight victories, like how do you describe them? Uh, you know, super grateful for the, the the fight win streak. You know, it's what every fighter wants to do is not lose another fight. So. Um, you know, I've gained a lot of experience and, and a lot of knowledge in, on this five-fight win streak. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you, you take more from a loss than you do a win. It's not true. You know, you, you can look at it however you want and, and play it in your mind however you want. So I love the momentum. You know, it, it feels good. 
you know, you're speaking about, you know, you're taking things away from a matchup and kind of made me think about this Instagram post I wrote down you had where uh, this was after the victory. You said the goal was to win. I did everything I could to finish the fight. But at the end of the day, I came away uninjured and grateful. A sincere thank you to my team, family and friends who stand behind me every day. So uh, obviously, you know, you always want to walk away from a fight uninjured and, you know, where you're not going to miss any time. But like, what do you take away from, you know, what actually happened on fight night? Yeah, that, that's a great way to look at it. Um, I got three rounds of fighting in. You know, of course, I wanted to finish the fight, but I was able to test myself in there for 15 minutes. And uh, I had the best opponent I, I could have had that night. And uh, obviously, he worked hard because the fight was tough. Um, you know, another first round finish would have been nice, but I, I'm glad I got the three rounds in maybe right before uh, I get the call up to the UFC. You know, it, I'm gonna that's going to pay off in the long run. Did you all feel like you had a little, you know, I mean, I know some guys will say cage rust is real. Some will say, no, nah, man, that's a, that's a whole middle thing. But did you kind of, did you, did you walk to the cage? Go, oh man, it's, it's kind of been a while since i able to do this thing. No, I felt at home. It, it felt good. I was, uh, I was eager for that, for that opportunity. So, you know, I train in a cage every, every week. So, uh, I don't believe in cage rust. I, I can see where it would come from, from certain perspectives, but I don't think it's a real thing. You know, you mentioned about, you know, look, you're just, you're just waiting for that phone call to ring, you know, whether it's short notice, you know, you know, six week notice, whatever it may be. I mean, is that the simple mindset of like, it's just gotta be stay ready? Yeah, for sure. Um, Cause they don't care what your excuse is. You know, it's, it's yes or no. And then it's on to the next guy. You know, there's, there's 50 guys like me out there. So um, yeah, stay ready. What, what do you think separates yourself from, every other guy that's in kind of your position right now, why you should be the, the guy who gets that call. Yeah. So like, like, like we were just saying about staying ready, I'm ready for a 15 minute fight any given day, morning, night, it doesn't matter what time it is. So 15 minutes, I can do that on a, on a two day notice. So that's what separates me is I stay ready and I'm eager for the phone call. So I'm ready to get in there and fight. Now, are you like watching a May, you know, social media? And when, when somebody pulls out of the fight, you call the manager up, go, Hey man, ready to go. Yeah. I stay on top of it. And, uh, my family and stuff looks out for me. So they're always telling me, Hey, this featherweight's fighting on this day right here. Be ready. That, it's like, they already know the roster. So that is <laughs> exciting. And yeah, I watch every fight on every fight card. So yeah, I, I love the, I love the fight game and I love what the UFC's done as far as promoting their fights and just there's fights almost every weekend. Now I know we just had a big break, but fights every weekend is that's my favorite. So was the family always on board for you being a professional fighter? Yeah, I had a, I had 16 amateur fights and, uh, you know, I, I was fighting for free for five years straight and, uh, you know, they would come to every fight. So yeah, it's, they've always been super close to the game. One thing your management mentioned to me about the fact of uh, you live on five acres, and uh, one of the things that, that you do uh, that is one of the things you like to do outside of fighting is to deer hunt, which kind of made me think about you know they they talk about as a as a fighter, you, you, there's got to be some patience to this. Yeah. So I mean, well, you know, would you say you have more patience in the fight game or more patience when you're out on a hunt? <laughs> um, yeah, so the hunting's where I just get my mind out of the fight game and I get to relax. So. I'm definitely a little more patient out there. <laughs> is it tough for you to get your mind off off you know the the daily grind of training? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Cause like even even if I take a day off from training, if I I go on a hunt or I'm fishing or something, I'm usually thinking, oh, I wish I was training right now. <laughs> but when I'm training, I want to be hunting or fishing, so it works both ways. Do Do you try to find that that balance of you know training life, but also just living life? Yeah, you, you gotta you you gotta still take time to sit back and and choose some things that you want to do, or it's gonna pass you by. So. Um, you try to balance it out, but every day's every day's a grind as far as the training goes. Are you still trying to figure out that balance? Like you're just not you haven't quite figured that balance out yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe when I retire, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I, I don't believe that R word in, in MMA. I do not yeah, believe that yeah. that 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 to me, people say that word. I never believe it. Yeah, you see so many guys walk away and come back. So it, yeah, that that wouldn't be a good word for it. You're right. No, it's just anytime you see, you know, fire announcer time, right? I, I, I take it with a grain of salt. I just do. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Just, you know, cause I'm like, okay. They announce, you know, it, they announce it on social media and then, and then they're back fighting again. It, I mean, it's just, it's a rarity. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think the only one I've really probably ever really believed has been the Habib one. Yeah. Yeah. That one stay stick true to his word so far. <laughs> Yeah, and if he if he wanted to fight, he'd have to cut a little bit of weight because uh, he, he he's definitely enjoying that retirement life. Yeah, I bet so. It, you know, you know, when, once the fight's over and you know you get a day or two just to kind of let loose. I mean, is uh, does the diet go out the window? Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta. I get rid of the diet for probably a week um, and just go all out. It gets it out of my system because I'm usually sick of it after a couple okay. of days. I'm ready to eat clean again, but. Yeah, I eat pretty clean year-round, so uh, a couple cheat meals here and there, and I'm ready to dial back in. Do you have a go-to cheat meal? Oh, yeah, uh, pizza, burgers, fries, you know, the, the bad stuff that everybody – I'm just like everybody, ice cream. That all, sound, that all sounds damn delicious. Yeah, yeah I could do <laughs> ice cream. All right. As I'm sitting here already, you know, thinking about what, what the hell am I going to have for dinner tonight? Yeah, yeah, that all sounds delicious. It all sounds delicious, but uh, we look forward to seeing when uh, you're going to get back in there. Maybe we see you in the UFC in your next matchup. Of course, uh, yeah. could, let, could her know they can, let her know they can find you on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man? Uh, no, just I stay ready to go, and I appreciate you having me on. And there you have my conversations with Nate Grebe, Fran Collins, Darren Whitney, and Jesse Bowe. I appreciate all those been coming on this edition of the podcast. Of course, uh, all those uh, interviews are done over on YouTube as well. So uh, even if you just listen to the audio version, if you can go over to YouTube and just you know hit that uh, hit that thumbs up and subscribe to the channel, that really does help me out a lot. Really do appreciate that. Of course, uh, it is a John Jones fight week. I didn't know if I'd really ever say that again, but it is a John Jones fight week and one of the interesting things that i saw uh over on reddit right before doing the show here was if you may have seen this clip that from the post-fight press conference on saturday night where dana white was asked if there was a backup fighter in place for the main event on saturday and he said yes there is a backup fighter but would not reveal who that may be and Mike Bob MMA junkie reporting that neither Stipe Miocic or Curtis blades have been contacted about being the backup fighter for the UFC 285 main event. Uh, his tweet went on to say both am told both men plan to be in place in Las Vegas for Saturday's card. So that's uh, I mean, look, I'm looking forward to UFC 285 should be a great card. Of course, myself and Daniel will preview the fight card come up here on the Wednesday edition of the podcast. Of course, uh, along with that, 
Uh, this weekend on Friday and Saturday, I'll have preview shows uh, from talking from the, the DFS and betting perspective with Pete Rogers Jr. over there on the Fight HQ channel. And, you know, I tell you, when I was watching the fights on Saturday, it still was kind of, it, to me, I, I would classify this as interesting that the opening fight of the pay-per-view is Bo Nickel versus Jamie Pickett. And I think that, obviously, we all know how super talented of an athlete and that we have seen from Bo Nickel in very young here in his MMA career. But I think this by the UFC putting him in that spot to me tells me what the UFC thinks of him. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you throughout this fight card, there's a lot of interesting matchups to me. I mean, obviously the main of, you know, the main event, co-main event, the title fights there, uh, Shavkat, Rock Mono. Someone we talked about a little bit earlier on the show, taking on Jeff Neal. That is one that, that is a fight that just sticks out to me when I'm looking at this fight card and, you know, thinking about outside of the main event, co-main event, what are the fights that intrigue me the most? And that may be my number one fight outside of the main event and co-main event that does intrigue me the most. Um, you know, other fights that intrigue me, I'm interested to see Jalen Turner take on Matthias Gamrot. You know, Jalen Turner, we've, we've seen the rise of him since coming into the UFC. Gamrot stepping up here, replacing Dan Hooker in this matchup. You know, also looking at some other things on this card that uh, intrigue me. What does Cody Garbrandt look like? You know, we, we've seen what Cody has looked like the past couple of years. It, that to me is kind of one of the more interesting stories there. Uh, Drake is Duplessis uh, taking on Derek Brunson. That's a nice step up in competition for Duplessis in that matchup. Um, you know, also uh, Ian Gary, uh, Mana Martinez are, are some of the ones that, uh, you know, fighters on the preliminary card that stick out to me that intrigue me. But of course, myself and Daniel, we'll talk about more about that card later on this week here on the MMA Report podcast. And of course, uh, be sure to check out all the interviews we got over there on the YouTube channel. Always trying to create some new content for you. So that is going to do it for. For this edition of the MMA Report. Appreciate you tuning in to this episode. And I'll be back on Wednesday with a midweek edition as myself and Daniel Gavon will get you ready for UFC 285.